Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Do you ever buy grapes? No, I'm grapes not aside grape. from meat and or wine or that type of you know that type of beverage is the most expensive thing in grapes? my cart. Yeah, grapes, really? really, grapes. Like which kind do you get? Do you get the, the I get the green, green ones or the red ones? grapes yeah, because green the green seedless. tend to last longer yes. than the red. Yes, they do. Yeah. So right? if you get a nice red grape, nothing better. Yeah. How did we lose the train of thought on on sports in this show? And- <laughs> The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So the problem, which we've had for a couple of weeks and we're going to have for a couple of more weeks, the problem of doing the last show Thursday is that the backlog of email builds up Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, and it just builds up. Don't so we drive. get a thousand emails, and we cannot cull them. It's a lot of printing. We just have so many emails, and so the Monday show is a lot of catching up with personal things, which we're going to do now. This comes from David Mack. He says, I'm a loyal little and an actor living in Columbia, Missouri. That's the home of the University of Missouri. Two months ago, my friend and fellow little Terry Schoonover wrote in to promote a show I was in with his wife. Seminar was about a cranky veteran writer who holds a weekly workshop for four aspiring writers. Each week, he thoroughly dismantles their work using rather colorful language. I had the great honor of playing the veteran writer, which was a role originated by the great Alan Rickman. I drew inspiration from all the veteran writers I know, but I think my director was confused the night I ad-libbed the line, that's it, I'm boiling eggs. <laughs> my friend Terry is a talented and prolific actor himself. He has landed one of the most iconic roles in theatrical comedies. On May 11th, that's in a couple of days, right? Isn't today the 9th? Today's the 8th. 8th, a yes, couple so- of days. On May 11th, he'll be opening in The Odd Couple, playing the role of Oscar Madison at Maplewood Barn Theater in Columbia, Missouri. He gets to utter the classic lines, now it's garbage. <laughs> and it took me two hours to figure out F.U. stood for Felix Unger. It's a Neil Simon play. Sweet. Brilliant, of course. Really I know The Odd Couple is one of your favorites, no doubt is a favorite of many of your listeners. If there are any loyal littles in the area, I actively encourage you to see one of our own, knock it out of the park, playing this bucket list role. Tickets available at the Maplewood Barn website. That's from David Mack, which is lovely. I need to note the passing of someone that I knew who was a waiter at the Palm and a wonderful person in the heyday of the Palm in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, Joe Lavaca. Um, He passed away last week. He'd been living in Charlottesville, Virginia for the last 25 years with his wife, Elizabeth. I know the frequency, this comes from Steve Salinger in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. I know the frequency that you dined at the Palm in the 80s, and I'm sure you witnessed Joe's service firsthand. Sure. Do you know what you want to eat? I need to turn this table over, all the while sharing his shtick. Not looking for you to read this on the air. Perhaps a shout out on the podcast or PTI. No, 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 no. We're going to, we read it on the air. The last time I saw Joe, he was waiting in the parking lot of Lingo Real Estate in Rehoboth Beach on a Saturday morning waiting to get keys to where he was checking in. Oh. I'd seen him on the boardwalk. He was walking the boardwalk. I was taking the dog out. He was walking on the boardwalk at about, I don't know, six in the morning. And then I saw him at the parking lot. Yeah. He was a, a... a great waiter and a lovely guy. Um, from Brendan Turner, I work for Comcast as a cable tech relatively close to your area. Thought I'd pass this along. I'm a big fan of the show. I know you're a customer. Hit me up for all your Comcast questions. Now, that's good. He's passing along the fact that the Red Zone will be back on. Yeah, leave it on. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. That Roger Goodell called up <laughs> Brian Roberts. Is that his name? Brian Roberts, the head of Comcast? Yes. yes, it is. And he said, okay, let's get this done now. Yeah. This is usually not handled by heads of state. Yes. This is usually handled by undersecretaries. Right. And Roger Goodell 
realistically and intelligently said, what? We are not losing the red zone. No. What? No, very grateful. Like, more, he wasn't listening to bikes. me. You know. <laughs> anyway, Brendan, the cable guy. P.S. My uncle was the late, great Brian Burwell. I know Wilbon was good friends with him. Maybe you were, too. I was good friends with Brian. I appeared many times on the sports reporters with Brian. Um, Brian worked, ultimately became a very, very respected columnist in St. Louis. Yes. And I knew Brian Burwell very Brian. well. Very well. And I had this relating to the open that said, uh, how did we lose the train of thought? From Justin in Seattle. On Thursday's show, you asked, how do we lose the train of thought? I listened again. I'm glad to recap. You read two emails about running and commented about how great the service at Pacer Running sounds compared to your experience in Rehoboth. Michael compares this to the difference between going to a grocery store and going to a butcher like Hickman's for meat. You take this as a segue to food, and you ask why organic blackberries are so much more expensive, even though he can't taste the difference. Michael makes a suggestion about going to different grocery stores for different products. You point out how much you hate hearing about supply chain issues because everything is here, although you ask, where are we getting blackberries from? At which point you realize you know nothing. Michael points out how expensive grapes are as well as wine. You then ask what kind of grapes Michael gets. He says he gets green ones, although there's nothing better than a red grape. Nigel chimes in saying red grapes don't last as long. This is when you asked how you got here. So the answer to your question is that you drove the conversation where it went. If this starts to happen when you're actually driving, I hope Michael has your spot in Ingleside Reserve. Have you ever tried the cotton candy grapes? No. They're cloyingly sweet. Don't even know what they are. They're cloyingly sweet. Uh, they're they available they taste, yeah, they at the like, Safeway? Uh, yeah, they're available everywhere, not always in season. And for you, Dad, try Trader Joe's for your I've produce. never been into a Trader Joe's. You're never going to go into a Trader Joe's. But uh, the parking lots are all bad. <laughs> they're, they're all they're, very, they're... very tiny little spaces, all jammed together with no room to turn. Yeah. And so I, I will never go to a Trader Joe's because they indulge in bad parking I uh, go out to Virginia. They have some wide open parking lots. You're not going to do that. Not going to. But yes, Virginia. the, the Bethesda uh, Trader do, Joe's do I parking need lot. A, you know, a passport to go to Virginia? I want to go to Virginia. <laughs> Let me do some plugs for some food. My dad's chips. Matt oh. Williamson brought some over. They're really good. Yes. Uh, they're only local. The balsamic vinegar. It's I, really never, good. I never thought of that flavor for a salt and vinegar chip. It's really it good. Yes. Uh, it's, they're really good. Okay. I'm just plugging that. Okay. Let me get to the Nats. The Nats had the exact same. Like, yes, they had the exact. You have to say exact same. They had the exact circumstance on Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday, they caught up. Lane Thomas hit a go-ahead home run late in the game. Ninth inning, I guess. Yeah. Top nine. They're going to win the game. Battle back. Kyle Finnegan stinks beyond words. Mm-hmm. Gives up a home run on, like, the second pitch, the tying home run. Yeah. And then just, you know, can't, can't handle it. Can't handle it. Kyle Finnegan can't handle it. Now he's handled it a bunch of times. He just couldn't handle it. Yesterday, they're behind four runs at one point. Joey Manessis. Hits a go-ahead home run in the top of the ninth. Three-run shot, right? Yeah, three-run shot. No outs, right? Hmm? No outs? At that point? Yeah. Well, I think there might have been one out because then Alex Call did this crazy thing. third. Where he tried to go for third and was out at third when he could have potentially been a second go-ahead run. You know, a little padding to it. Yeah, given your ninth inning struggles, you want to try and, I don't know, get more than one run there. But Yeah, so the, the, that was a terrible play going to third on an overthrow by the pitcher to first base. And he just kept running. Maybe the, maybe the third base coach said, come. You know, and, and he, he was going, but it was not. Anyway, anyway, They're they bring in a guy named Dominic Hunter Smith. Harvey. I am only vaguely familiar with Hunter Harvey. Yeah. He put one runner on, but he, he, he closed it out. And then it turns out he was throwing 100, and his dad was a reliever. And this was his first save in the major leagues. 
And apparently there's only eight or nine father and sons who've had saves in the major leagues. Are you familiar with Hunter Harvey? I don't, I don't know the backstory, but that's a cool story to hear the, the, the father to son. So Hunter Harvey is now, as far as I'm concerned, the closer. Uh, and when he fails, you go back to finish. Yeah, yeah. The Diamondbacks hit, they hit a lot of home runs, it feels like. They have so many guys with RBI as opposed to Dominic Smith. Who still has five. TK5. <laughs> it's going to be working for you all right. month long. Right. And then he plays every inning of every game and still has five What RBI. is fun about these, uh, these, these trips to ballparks you don't see as often as you, you, know, you would see divisional parks is there's that little cutout just to the side where Manessas is home run red. And it just looks like a little, like a little uh, carrot slice that they forgot to put fencing yeah, up. It's and really it's just, yeah, it's really weird. It's really weird. So anyway, so I wanted to do that. Now, I wanted to also. Do you see any highlights from the Dodgers game late? No, I did not. That San Diego uh, Dodgers game was the was ESPN awesome. game. Yeah. Uh, it looked like there was going to be a lot of runs. They were scoring. Uh, yeah, and then they it got was a, to Musgrove and they got to Arias. To the bottom of the ninth with two outs. Who won it? Oh, the Padres won an extra. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Hater comes in and Betts takes him deep. Really? Yeah. The Mookster. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Sad day when <laughs> he left. Yeah, shame awesome. he doesn't play for the Red Sox. So this Sox, morning, so. I'm walking the dog and I get. You know, I'm just walking the dog, and I hear a rustling um, sort of to my right. I'm walking on a sidewalk, and to my right is a tree, and I hear a rustling in the bottom of the tree. And it is a bird, as I turn and look, it is a bird with an enormous wingspan. Like, to me, almost the wingspan of a hawk. Was it a vulture by chance? Because we saw a vulture the other day. It's not day. a vulture. I'll tell you exactly what it was. Because it alighted in the tree across the street. And it was the classic red-headed woodpecker. Oh. With a oh, giant, yeah. giant, bright red head. I know that woodpecker. We displaced that woodpecker. It's, it, it had really? a much bigger wingspan than I ever imagined a woodpecker to have. I mean, it caused, it had serious flapping as it went across the street. You displaced it? Well, we had a tree that was removed this past week. And, and, and the woodpecker there, lived near it? Uh, the like, woodpecker would visit it every day. It's my okay. summer house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could see that. Okay, see so the, he's relocating. You could see the marks up and down the trunk. Yeah, this so he's, he's uh, going to Delray. <laughs> he's re- relocating. Yeah. He's going to Delray Beach. But they, I, I've, I've only seen once a long time Much ago. Much bigger than I thought. Very big. And standing up like at the, uh, on the tree, the length of it. Bigger than I thought. Yeah. Red-headed woodpecker. Okay, let me get to important things. Um, people are sending me stuff again. Look, I can't stop you from sending me stuff, but if you're going to send it, this stuff all came late. You know, if you're going to send me things, please send them to Bonnie, care of ESPN at the ABC building on DeSales Street in Washington, D.C. That's the way. Send them to Bonnie. And maybe there's a chance they'll get to me on time because I got a lovely package of chocolate chip cookies, but they were a month old. They were still really good, but not as good as I'd hoped they would be. And this comes from Matt in Tenleytown. Um, Long time little here chiming in from Tenleytown. This is dated April 18th. I still miss, miss you strolling into chatter on football Sundays and immediately bemoaning the fact there aren't more people at the bar. Also managed to catch you doing your show a few times while having breakfast. Really a treat. Never realized how good we had it. If you haven't already guessed by the enclosed cookies, yes, this is in fact a shameless attempt at promotion. I blame the woman related to me by marriage who every year through her organization, Act for Alexandria, holds a one-day online fundraiser fundraiser called Spring to Action. This year it falls on April 26th, so I missed it. 
because this stuff didn't come till the beginning of May. Proceeds go to help area nonprofits and others in critical need throughout the region. I would have definitely talked about this. Last year's Spring to Action generated $2. million on that day, which helped 172 nonprofits get some much-needed assistance during a very difficult time. The cookies are from one of these said nonprofits. Together We Bake, an Alexandria, Virginia store that trains underserved and underrepresented women in the baking industry. Cookies are really good, and they were a month old. And imagine how good they would have been yeah, if they were fresh, that yeah. day. And they were really lovely. And they were baked by, because it's here, they were baked by Colita. And she writes, together we baked, changed my life, and provided my soul with an inner peace that I will forever be grateful for. I can now acknowledge and voice that I'm a victim of abuse, but I'm also a survivor. I feel so loved, so supported, and most importantly, so safe for once in my life, thanks to the family here at Together We Bake. And the cookies were really good. That's lovely. Carol wolfed them down. Like, <laughs> seriously, like an animal. Like, you know, I had one cookie, and then I looked around, and there were no cookies, None. and it was a big <laughs> bag of cookies. So maybe next year, Matt, will do it. Then I get this. Henlopen harvested sea salt Ooh. from Lewis, Delaware. <laughs> Henlopen sea salt. Yeah, with a note, the sea. Yeah, how With about a that? note from Rick Wright in Selbyville, Delaware. I wanted to send you this local sea salt last year during the sea salt craze discussion, but it was always out of stock. Recently, I heard Dave, the owner, on a local radio station indicating he had increased production that was available online. Now he uses 10-gallon buckets instead of uh, what he used to use. Enjoy, and if you like it, I'm sure it is now available in Rehoboth. If you need help with the water bills at the beach house, I'm sure Michael can figure out how you can begin manufacturing Rehoboth sea salt from Rick Wright. And he sent it to me, and we have, look at this. Look at this. Oh, yeah. Look oh. at that. And sea salt. That's the real pure stuff. flake sea salt. That yeah, looks like a nice a, finishing salt. In a smaller thing, I'm going to give this to you. I want the finishing salt. What is that? I'm going to, uh, yeah. I think I have two things. I have a small and a large, and I was going to give Michael the small, and he just turned it down. No, I'll take the he small. He wants the large. No, take <laughs> no. the large. Take the large. By all means, take the large. Please. You're my son. Um, so that was nice. But, but if you're going to send things, honestly... I, I honestly believe you need to send them to Bonnie. Yeah. Because these were sent to chatter, in effect. They were sent to the Tony Kornheiser yeah. show at an that address that no longer exists. Means the people at Alley Cat will be getting it now. Yeah. This is so wonderful. This is what it said with the Henlope and Sea Salt. Relive your fondest beach memories with just one taste of Henlope and Sea Salt, a flaky, delicate salt that enhances all of the flavors of your cooking. Our salt is made by hand in small batches from water collected off the coast of Lewis, Delaware. So let's, let's be honest. This is ocean salt. Your memories are being smacked in the head yeah. by a big wave. Don't turn your back on the, <laughs> on the sea. down, <laughs> and the water rushes into your mouth and tastes terribly salt. Right? That's, that's your memory. That's about it. Yeah. Now, they've sanitized it, and they made it wonderful, and they're trying to appeal to the nostalgic a part of your being, but that's salt at the ocean. Yes. That's salt at the ocean, kids. Anyway. You could try putting some of that on your blackberries. I, You know... Do you think that would be good? I'm not sure about the blackberries, but oh. some people do put a little salt on their uh, on their melons. Really? Yo, yeah. I don't eat melons. I know people do that. I don't eat melons. I, I don't like people who eat melons. That's just me. It's a personal prejudice. It's not just the melons. It's the melon people. Personal prejudice about that. <laughs> All right. So we'll take a break. Is Wilbon? 
Wilbon is next. Okay, yes. Michael Wilbon when we return. And we wanna, we're going to talk about Joel Embiid. He stunk yesterday. Yeah. MVP might be behind. <laughs> he stunk in the fourth quarter. Well, let's see if Wilbon defends this choice now. I'm Tony Kornheiser. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. I want Dylan Brooks to join my family. I need him to stand up to my mom. <laughs> when she bakes him a pie, he can throw it on the floor. Say, lady, I'll respect you when you bake 39 more. <laughs> I want Dylan Brooks to join my household. I need him to stand up to my dad. Say, I've seen your bank account and that piddling amount. Well, to me, it just looks kind of sad. Dylan Brooks, I want you to come with me to my job. You can tell my boss and co-workers you're simply not impressed. You can tell off my children, you can cuss out my wife. Dylan Brooks, I could use you in my life. Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks, won't you come and hang out with me and tell my closest friends just what you think of them. Your season is done, your vacation has begun. You've got time in your life to ruin mine. <laughs> you got time in your life to ruin mine. The brilliant Dan <laughs> Byrne picking up on Dylan Brooks, who both Wilbon and I have disparaged over the last couple of weeks, and he's now no longer even on Memphis. Wilbon joins us now. I had a bunch of general questions, but we're not going to go general. We're going to go specific right now. You voted for Joel Embiid for MVP, ultimately, did you not? Yes, I did. Okay. Do you want to talk about his fourth quarter yesterday? Uh, Tony, uh, no. I, I thought about this. <laughs> huh. he, 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 his team won the game. His team won the game. Not he had very little to do with it. He was the best player on the floor. I wouldn't say very little. Joel Embiid still had a good game yesterday. No, he no, have. he didn't. Because in the fourth quarter, when because I watched the I watched much of the game and intently the fourth quarter. He played nine minutes and twenty three seconds of the fourth quarter. He had one basket. He had no rebounds as the Celtics caught up and in fact passed the Sixers at one point. He had none of that, and he had three of his shots blocked by Al Horford. He was a non factor completely. Yeah, yeah. right. He, he, he did not have a game. Yesterday, like he had had in the first week, he's also coming off a a, a bad injury. I, you know, when you got a leg injury this time of year, I, I, he he looked completely shaken. Um, and look, Al Horford can do that to you. Al Horford is a pro; he's been around fifteen years, and that's why you know Boston has him. That's why the Sixers used to have him, and he didn't look good. I 
I'd like I should write an apology uh, to James Harden, who I said before the game on national television had zero chance of scoring 40 points. Well, he's gotten 45 and 42 in the games that they've yeah. won, and they don't win yeah. these games without him. And, and I won't no. speak to the first game that they won, but Boston should have won yesterday. Should have won. Right? Yeah, Boston. I, I think the Celtics should have won yesterday. But you know what? You, you, it, it, look, they're tied 2-2, and anything can happen. I mean, Jason Tatum or, or, or Jalen Brown could twist an ankle or, or spray the knee. I got a problem with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, I mean, Keith, the, the Smart had two looks. Uh, at the end of regulation, that's a legitimate yes. look, and he's a good shooter. Yes, legit, but he gets the ball late because Jason Tatum is just sort of dribbling around for, for Mike, in my opinion, far too, too long. long. Far uh, too yeah. long, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 I mean, I actually I mean, paid attention to this game, and it's not that I don't think Jason Tatum is a great player. But if you're right. going to give up the ball, you can't give it to somebody with no time left. Yeah, I did not like that circumstance, given what was at stake and given what we were at that point in the game. So I didn't think Jason Tatum was great in that situation. Well, we knew he wasn't great in that situation because the Celtics are 2-2. Yeah. And, you know, that's – you know, he, he, he had great games on the way to the finals last year. A couple of times, Tony, I thought he was guilty of similar – like error in judgment, yeah. uh, instinctively was not in the place that a truly great player should be late, late with the game on the line. I agree. Uh, I agree. Oh so, yeah. So I, you know, so you know, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm rooting for Phil. I got nothing against Boston. No, but you're rooting you for know, Doc. You, of course, you're rooting, I'm rooting for Doc. For my friend, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't blame you for rooting for Doc. At, at least yeah. it, it's a good series. It's now best yeah. of three. This is not yeah. surprising. These are very good competitive teams. Yeah. It is the best yeah. series, and it is not surprising that it is. What is surprising is that Phoenix is back two two. No, no, no. It's not the best series. <laughs> the best series is the, is the Phoenix Denver series because last night. Wasn't even last night. It was it was afternoon. Really, I got lucky. I had to fly back from L.A. last night after after doing the studio work, and so I, I was in the Admirals Club Lounge in LAX, and I got to see uh, the entire fourth quarter, having watched the first two in, in my hotel room. Tony, look, you know I'm the opposite of prisoner of the moment. I usually hate the moment. I hate everybody who's young who wants to tell you that. Something that happened today is the greatest thing of all. But let me just say this to you. And I was so glad Grant Hill said this in real time. Grant Hill, a 50-year-old grown man. I'm watching what I thought or think in real time was the greatest offensive playoff explosion or show sustained over a, you know, a full two hours that I've ever seen. Now, my career started with playoff games starring people named Johnson and Bird. So I've watched great playoff games in my life and, of course, included for all of it a guy named Jordan. None of them, and yes, I'm saying this advisedly, none of them were better than Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and Nikola Jokic at the same time yesterday. 
I mean, Nikola Jokic, look, and a lot of people thought he should be the, the, the MVP for a third straight time. It's a regular season award. So none of this stuff is considered. But Tony, he had 53. He had 53. And, and look, I know the Suns don't have a defensive-minded big to sort of like go head-to-head with him. But even if you just say, okay, I'll give you that, Booker, Tony, Booker went 20 for 25 and then went 14 for 18 in back-to-back games. Here's who's done that in the history of the league. No damn body. Not even Jordan. He was hotter than Michael Jordan sustained for two games. And and Kevin Durant was like 11 for 19. I mean, he was also way above 50%. That series, and you, you said nobody expected him to come back, I don't know, because Chris Paul gets hurt, and it's certainly you think it's going to be harder. Because now they got to go to campaign, who's a very suitable backup, except this year he was hurt all the time. They couldn't count on him. And he goes out there and pushes the pace, and the Suns say, we know there's only one way for us to win without Chris Paul. We have to go Harlem Globetrotters, full sweet Georgia Brown, on the number one seed, which is really tough to do at altitude for two games. But yesterday's game and yesterday's performances were breathtaking. And I do think the Suns will go to Denver and win game five. Now. So I let me let that. me just say this, and I've, I've had this discussion with you. Tim Legler is the smartest analyst that is employed by ESPN. It's not even close. Tim Legler was on this podcast the other day and said, Phoenix has only one way to win. Kevin Durant has to do what James Harden did on the 45-point game. He has, to, he has to make sure that Booker understands that he will help out, that he will take the scoring load, half, half of the scoring load. That is the only way for them to win. And it happened twice, Mike. Legler was 100% right. It happened twice. Yeah, but it wasn't Durant leading the way. It doesn't matter. No, no, he didn't say lead the way. He said make sure he's got to get more points. Okay. He's got to be there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, they were both there in spectacular ways. Yeah. Kevin Durant, who you know shows no emotion on the court. Yes. He doesn't. He doesn't do that, right? He's not slapping hands. He's not yelling. He doesn't do that. Kevin Durant was so animated yesterday, early in the game, after he hit a couple of impossible shots. And I was like, uh-oh, this is different. This is different. They have convinced themselves through their play that if they do it this way, they can win. So wait, are you saying, Mike, are you saying that I have a chance to be right? That on the moment they got Kevin Durant when I said they would win the NBA yeah, title, yeah. are you saying I have a chance? Yeah, and I told you what I, what I said to you was, and I, I, I'm not backing away from this, so we can get the tape if you need to. I said the Suns can play their way into that. They were not that in the moment. I said they can play their way into it. Now, they've only played 15 games or whatever it is. With, let's see, they played four and... Yeah, but you, you, felt, you felt last week they could not win without Chris Paul. I you said they it. weren't going to win without Chris Paul. Right. So now they've and won I, two. And, and now I think they can. Because of... Again, because of Booker and Durant in mm-hmm. that order. Now, we also know, look, look, the, the playoffs have 
four guys who are all-time great performers in the playoffs right now for one postseason, right now. Jimmy Butler. Uh, LeBron James, oh, Steph Curry. Uh, no, no, not LeBron James. No, 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 LeBron James, no. LeBron James shooting 16% from three. Steph Curry, Jimmy Butler, Devin Booker, and Nikola Jokic. Jokic, his lines. He had a line the other night when they lost 30-17-17. and 17. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm, how about, how about 53-10 and 10 last night? How come he's not the MVP? His team finished first. His team finished first, and there were people who voted for him. And people voted for him two years in a row. I, I voted for him once. I didn't vote for him this year. I voted for Embiid. I thought what Embiid did was more impressive in the regular season than Jokic. And, and by the way, I would not argue against Jokic, just like I would not argue against Antetokounmpo. Any of those three guys was, was, to me, deserving. And I have voted for each of the three of them over the last five years. But those, those guys I just named, Butler, Curry, Jokic, Booker. Tony, there is good. What they're doing right now against defenses formed entirely to stop them by really good, smart coaches. It's as impressive as anything Baylor and Irving and Frazier and Jordan and Magic and Bird have ever done in the playoffs. That, that's what, what they're doing. And again, I am not a prisoner of the moment. But when you got Booker's on a stretch right now in which he is hit, look, you can't do this in an open gym at practice. I think Booker is like 34 of his last 60 shots. Come on, you can't do Who can do that? He's doing that against the number one seed. And he, he, he's had some of these performances, again, at altitude. It's insane. So, so they, have, they have played their way, the sun, into maybe having a chance or having a chance to be what you said. We, we know they weren't that at the beginning because we saw how they, they, they were troubled by a Clippers team that did not have its two best players. And they were beaten, not soundly, but beaten in the first two games by Denver, the real number one seed in the West. But they now have had enough games or nearly enough that they can look at themselves, even with DeAndre being a pouting, whining baby. They can look at themselves and say, okay, we, we got this now. Now I don't know what's going to happen. The, 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 the number one seed plays at home on Thursday. That's right. Tuesday, 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 tomorrow. Number and ones so, get the home on game five. Yeah. Boston so, gets the home. You know, Denver gets the home. Yeah. Two great games again scheduled for tomorrow. Maybe, so, maybe they're great, or maybe they're routes. Well, a lot of these games have been routes. Yeah, yeah. Scheduled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scheduled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game five, given what we saw in game four, which were anything but routes, considering overtime. That's right. And what Denver and the Suns did yesterday. But you got, yeah, yeah. You got. They have played. They, they stayed alive long enough by winning these two games. That's right. But I, you know, I don't. Did you watch the Derby? Did you have time to watch the Derby? I have no idea. Uh, Oh. No, no, I don't know. My friend Eddie had it right. He had Mage. It was a great race, Mike. 
I don't know. It could have been man of war. I don't I have any idea. Such who a great race. Is in the, never, I didn't, I, I've never heard of one horse in the race. Well, that's, and that, that's I'd heard that happens Friday, every year. They were like scrapped. Three years old. Yeah, they that's weren't right. even in the race. Right. That's what was so exciting about it. Well, it's okay. You didn't watch it. That's, I we're know, not going to talk about it. I didn't even know it was on. I, I mean, I didn't even know it was on. That, lately, I mean, the, the, the last few years, I don't know. When is the last time the race had horses that were sexy going in? Well, th- yeah. they have it every year. You don't really actually pay attention. It is one of no, the greatest broadcasts I've ever seen. It's hours and hours of talking to people, the trainers, the jockeys, mm-hmm. the owners, all over the place. The access is remarkable. And it's, yeah. it's a two-minute live event, and they do it for four hours, and you can't take your eyes off it. It's, mm-hmm. the, best, it's the best sports show uh, on the air. Honestly, NBC yeah. does the horses better than anybody does anything. They just do it great. Yeah, I, they do it I've great. Been, I've never even – I told you on Friday – the two things I've never been, yeah, I've been to the Derby, right? Are the Derby even and Daytona. I've been to Derby week a couple of times and Daytona? Those are the two things that's really mentioned. good. All right, and I'd like to get there. I'd you like will. To get there. All right, I'll talk yeah. to you later. I'll talk to All you right, later. So. But we're gonna di- we're gonna differ on Embiid. Made me so happy. I thought he stunk. I mean, Embiid is Embiid is not Al Horford ate Embiid his is, lunch, right? Embiid is your Moby Dick. You, you're but wait, but uh, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> Did Al Horford eat yeah. his lunch? Yeah. Yeah. Al Horford owned him in the fourth quarter. Yeah. This is not. You know, you know, you know somebody you like a lot, Wilt. He got owned by people occasionally. Bill Russell in, in, in would own. Yes. So you got to yeah, say that. No, no, no sin. But I'm just saying of the of the headlines yesterday to come out of 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 a, of a great weekend of sports. You know, Embiid, and, and Embiid really did have a good game too. Yeah, I, game three. I'm sorry, because he had 33 and 13. Yeah, he had a statistically good game until it counted when Boston came no, back no, no, and no, took no. the I'm lead. About game, oh, I'm talking about game game three now. Game three. Okay, all right. Embiid was so you had both those games over the weekend, and Embiid was really, really good in that one, and not as good, not 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 and, any. And good. It, by the way, coming off an injury in which people say, who should know, including your man Tim Legler. He's coming off an injury that's a four to six week injury. Okay. And he's, he played in two weeks. So mm. while you're going to ride and be no I matter am. what happens, I am. You know, that'll, just, so you I'm know. going to look at you and say, go, you keep going. Yeah. It's, it's relatively unimportant. When, when, when he wins it, again, I tip my hat. I tip my if, hat when he wins it. If, if but he if wins. he wins it because Harden wins it, that's a different deal. Well, you know what? Harden, Harden is it. <laughs> Former MVP. That's right. Harden's Harden great. Has had some of the choking, that, like a dog, like game. on the ground looking yes. for his mouthpiece. Yes, he has. Right? Yes, we've seen but it. Right now, we've right seen it. Now Harden's had two great games we'll and has elevated his team. All right, I'll talk. And to that you is, you know, that's a that's a, a good thing for Philadelphia. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, will take a break. Pat Forty will join us and talk about the Kentucky Derby, which was held on Saturday despite the fact that Mike didn't watch. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. 
Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes to us from Peter Gorman, who writes, I've been listening to your show for so long, I used to hear it on one of those radio devices. (laughs) I'm a resident of Kensington, Maryland, and the main singer-songwriter for the band Lazy Old Son, S-O-N. The others in the band reside in the Midwest, where the album was recorded in a charming hamlet called Chicago. It's a song about a wonder drug called coffee, which can be purchased over the counter in various establishments throughout the United States. It's called Blues for Coffee, and not Coffee Blues, only because Mississippi John Hurt got there first. You can find it on the Lazy Old Sun album, Downtime, which is out now and available at iTunes, Amazon, and other recognizable places. Blues for Coffee by Lazy Old Sun, which you can... Here in its entirety at the end of the show. Michael, if people like Lazy Old Son want to send their original music in, how they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. And after a closer examination, I will accept the smaller tin of the Henlopen Flaky Sea Salt. You don't want the bigger so one? So thank you for your patience. That's okay. The bigger one's intended for you. No, <laughs> I have the right to give them away. Pat Forty joins us now. And uh, we have a bunch of things to talk about. We, we got to, at some point, talk about the Alabama baseball coach and the mess that is in Alabama. But we're going to start. The lead story is, is the Derby. You cover derbies. You live in the horse country. You understand all of these things. I read the stuff on Sports Illustrated. I, re- I recommend Pat Forty and Chuck Culpepper to everybody out there to read about the Derby. It was a great race, though we just found out that Wilbon didn't even bother to watch it. It was a great race, but lousy circumstances, right? Lousy. Yeah, terrible. The worst possible circumstances. Um, Seven horse deaths in a matter of ten days, including two on Derby Day. A derby horse uh, had to be euthanized after an injury last week in training. Um, five horses scratched, including the favorite, uh, the morning of the race. It was just, uh, all the things that, that make horse racing unsettling. It is a great sport. It can be a lot of fun, but there is a tragic underbelly to it. And the fact is when a lot of times when these horses get hurt, it's fatal. You left out the fact that a trainer was suspended. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. So many things have happened. I I actually forgot that. Yes, Safi Joseph was was basically sent home and told not to come back until there's some logical explanation for why two of his horses just died suddenly. So what happens as a result of this is that people who lay in the weeds, who are not necessarily sports writers, who are columnists or overviewers or just snipers, come out and demand that horse racing be ended because it's cruel to horses and and they don't even take into account hundreds of years of one of the most basic things in culture which is you get on the back of a horse and you ride fast it's like you get inside a car and you drive fast and this is this is part of the culture and they want to shut it down at this point how do you feel when you read all that stuff I think uh, your word sniper, that was a good, uh, accurate use there. Is there are people that do just want to see the the sport eliminated, and they do kind of wait for the misfortune like this, mm-hmm. and, and, and here they come. Uh, look, I, I understand that there are some people that don't want to be involved with or associate with a sport where death of a competitor is part of the – is a potential outcome. But 
it is an actually increasingly rare outcome. It happens less now than it used to. Tracks, I think, are more serious about safety, about regulating medication for horses, about trying to wean the sport off of uh, performance-enhancing or pain-masking drugs. Uh, so it's not a perfect sport, and if you don't like it, that's fine. But I don't think it needs to be eliminated. It's taken it's taken significant strides towards becoming safer for the athletes. I think what people sort of need to know is just look at a racehorse. Look how big their bodies are and how thin their legs are. And look what they're being asked to do. Um, I mean, if, if you say, look, it's cruel and we shouldn't have it at all, and you probably don't want farm animals, you know, because that's cruel, and you probably shouldn't eat any chickens or any pork chops because they're bred for slaughter. I mean, we could go through this whole thing. But it, it does... It does put a target on itself, doesn't it, Pat? It does. It does. And, yes, you're right. That, like, one thing, if, if thoroughbreds weren't bred to race, wh- what would they do? Uh, you know, they, they, they want to run fast. It's literally in their blood. They want yeah. to race they, on the farms. They will get out in the pasture and race each other. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's more to it than just saying, ah, oh, you know, these horses would be perfectly happy animals if they just stayed in a pen all day and didn't have to race. That, that wouldn't be the case. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, look, the, the sport has done a terrible job for the most part of uh, regulating itself and explaining itself. Uh, and even in this instance here uh, at Churchill, there were – several things that happened and there was nobody around to explain this is why this horse was scratched this is why this trainer was suspended it just happened and, and there was no accountability there's no centralized leadership in racing and it leads to bad leadership and bad leadership problems like this and it's such a good television show uh, i mean yeah. you're working so you're not watching it like i'm watching it nbc does such a good job on the triple crown right yeah no they do they do a phenomenal job and they have figured out yes how to present uh, and make real for people the drama of a big race and the you know the the tension the excitement yeah. the the players involved you know that's one thing tony i you'll you know this like I cover college sports most of the time. You're talking to 18, 22-year-olds. They can be fascinating people, but they haven't really lived lives, per se. The people at the racetrack have lived some life. Yes. Usually the jockeys, the trainers, owners. I mean, so there's so many compelling human stories, and then watching the animals run is fantastic. So uh, the, the horse that won was Mage. My friend Eddie had that. I did not, of course. I was with Derma Sotogaki. The jockey had been 0 for 15 in derbies. How about that? Right? Yeah, incredible. Uh, you know, I, Javier Castellano, who's, who's had a very good career, but yes, this was uh, the key missing part of the resume. And he said, he's 45 years old, and, and he said he was in the jocks room before the race, and he saw on NBC Javier Castellano, 0 for 15, and he said that gave him inspiration. Right then and there, he said, this is going to be the year. I'm going to do it. And he gave it a fantastic ride, extremely patient, picked his spots, uh, waited as long as he needed to to get clear room to run, and then a fantastic stretch run by by Mage to pull down uh, to collar uh, two fills. Loved his it. Bad a possessive apostrophe. Um, yeah. <laughs> Is the horse good? 
And I asked that because the favorite was scratched. We had all this stuff. We don't have a sense if the horse is any good. Yeah, right. We don't. I mean, uh, Forte had beaten him twice, and Forte scratched. And right. Forte's probably waiting for him in Baltimore. Right. Um, so we're, we'll find out, I think, more there. You know, 20-horse field, a lot of things can happen, and sometimes you do get a fluke-ish winner. I, don't, I wouldn't say Mage is fluke-ish. He's inexperienced. He's only, that was only his fourth race. Did not race as a two-year-old. Uh, it won his first race, then lost twice to Forte, which probably is no great shame. And then he wins the Kentucky Derby. So they, we, we need to see more of him before we can say he's, he's good slash great. So I'll ask about Dermasodagake because Andy Beyer really liked that horse. Um, it's sort of like the President's Trophy in hockey, where when you win it, then you don't win the playoffs. These horses that race in the UAE Derby, regardless of how impressive they are, they've never, I don't even think they've ever been uh, win place or show in the Kentucky Derby. What were your thoughts and what were you learning about Dermis Odegaki? Yeah, I got sucked into the hype, uh, <laughs> I admit, as well. And I had said all along, as recently as Friday, I was saying, I've got to see one of these horses ship in without any American prep races and win. And then, lo and behold, by Friday night, are my friends, the Dealies, who advertise on your show, had a big party, and one of them had won $3,000 on Mage, by the way. Oh, uh, good. But, but one of them also lost his shorts because he was all over the Japanese horses. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I got pulled into it. But look, there's one way to win the Derby, and it's not from overseas without any racing uh, beforehand, unless you are Cannonero the second, and that was 1971. It's been a while. That was also was a Venezuelan horse, was it not? Yes, yes, it was. This, this is the next Venezuelan horse since then. All right, I cannot let you go without Alabama. What is this? <laughs> it's bad. I mean, that whole athletic department has just been one terrible headline after another. When Nick uh, Saban looks like a statesman, you know, <laughs> it's a dangerous athletic department. AD, AD president, everybody, no good, right? It's, I mean, it's a disaster. And Greg Burns, the AD who I've known a long time, and I think is a good athletic director, but it's like, Greg, what's going on at your school? This is unbelievable. I mean, the the basketball stuff was terrible. Uh, since then, they had a football player who was arrested in a marijuana and gun situation. They had another basketball player who was committed to come uh, arrested in a marijuana gun situation, and, and he then was told, do not come to Alabama. And now the baseball coach is involved in – potentially like run shaving i guess it'd be point shaving but let's call it run shaving uh it's unbelievable and uh i will say this like first i didn't even know you could bet on college baseball and a lot of people say this is why you shouldn't bet on college baseball and they they, i'm you can have that point but there is so much more information available now about gambling gambling habits who bets what that they caught him the system worked it found the guy and that led directly to the manager and the man or the coach, and the coach is out. I'm going to say this: um, he should be out, even though that yeah. we don't know that he is publicly tied to this. There's no, this has not been released. I don't think they would have canned him if they didn't fully believe that he was involved in this. I think Nate Oates has to go too. I do, and he's a good coach, but I think mm-hmm. he's got to go too. 
What do you think? Yeah, well, well, and they—I mean, clearly they've decided he's not going. That's right. Um, yeah, but no, I mean, look, I—I I, I think Nate Oates' reputation is irreparably tarnished um, from what he did and the way he handled uh, the aftermath of that yes. uh, shooting, where his, one of his players ended up charged with capital murder. So uh, they're clearly not getting rid of him. He's an SEC champion. He got his team an NCAA tournament one seed, but his reputation will never be fully hold in my opinion it's a remarkable story and there's more to come with this story clearly there's got to be a we would expect a response of some gravity from the president of the university of alabama would we not well that's one guy who has been a wall silent yeah. for months yeah I mean, going back to the basketball stuff everybody's like well what does the president have to say nothing was the answer to that um but yeah you would think this this isn't just an athlete involved. This is somebody the school was paying, I believe, $475,000 a year to coach the baseball team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the phone was somebody making bets on his team at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, Ohio. So what exactly is going on there, and what does the leadership have to say about it? Thank you, Pat. Pat Forty, boys and girls. Uh, we will take a break. We'll come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Oh. Here comes Tony's mailbag, mailbag, mailbag. Oh. Emails, faxes, and your notes, and your notes, and your notes. Oh. Here comes Tony's mailbag, mailbag, mailbag. Go Tony, go Tony. Gonna read it for all of you folks. Chris Brinkley. Like that. A little while. A little while. You want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Yes, we've got the bagel sandwiches today. Bethesda bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location, <clears throat> excuse me, in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. So before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, don't want your love anymore. Don't want your kisses. That's for sure. I die each time I hear this sound. Here he comes. That's Kathy's clan. If you want to know why the Beach Boys are great, if you want to know why... People are great who are grow up in the same family and learn to sing together. Just listen to Don and Phil. <laughs> or as the Beatles wanted to call themselves, the four Everly brothers. Yes. Don and Phil Everly, both gone now, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Both yes. gone. They they had one voice. It was just remarkable how great how great they were. Thanks to our guest today, uh, Michael Wilbon Pat Forty. Thanks to our sponsor, Simply Safe Grammarly Butcher Box. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you, get you throw, if you get the show through Apple, leave us a review. Boots and the Hammer are starting to sing together. Oh, that that will work. Yeah. And then and then Got when the captain microphone. when the captain can do it. Do you have something to play for band. us? Another? Oh, uh, yeah, I do. Hold on, let me just. This is another. Let me just national sports down. announcer. Yes. apparently saying La Cheeserie. Yes, it's driving Sands. Crazy, he loves this. <laughs> this is from a sailing event, yeah. I don't know, yeah. As they cross, you wonder if Tom Slingsby's gonna give him a hearty the cheese of as he goes by. Thanks for nothing, mate. I, I, <laughs> somehow we have so, and, and we have not yes. talked to Tom Hart, 
Tom Hart is the original, right? That he does That's right. Cheesery. I think I just saw something that Tom Hart is going to be on with Chuck and Roxy. Well, of he course. already was. Because <laughs> I got this from Love, Chuck and Roxy. How's this for a spoiler? If you want to know more about Tom Hart, the play-by-play announcer who went to Mizzou, but not for journalism, who gave us the on-air La Cheeserie over this past weekend, tune into the upcoming Loyal Littles podcast, episode 228, featuring Tom. As soon as we heard that on Sunday, we knew the Littles would want to hear his story, and so less than 24 hours later, he was gracious enough to sit down with us. You should really consider having him on the show sometime. Well, thanks for programming. Uh, he will be calling the XFL championship game next weekend in San Antonio. Isn't that remarkable? That is. Chuck and Roxy. Yes. They're there. Okay, from Dave Miller in Tampa, Florida. My niece has been accepted to Binghamton, but to start in January 2024 instead of this fall. She's on the wait list to start in the fall. Can you help with that? I assume since she's already been accepted there, there's a discount to your normal fee. I'm happy to use the code. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll try. I don't, you know, I'll make a call. I had dinner the other night with somebody who's fairly influential at the school. Right, so, go, go straight to Sheila. You know, I think I can do this. From Les Cossack in Galena, Ohio. Traffic has been pretty good lately. <laughs> From Marco Frank in Radlett, England, we know that Booger can recite the 14 players drafted ahead of him, so presumably you can recite the 10 Newsday journalists who covered the yes. Secretary of Civil Crown. <laughs> or have you mellow? I can't. I don't remember. I, I'm pretty sure, though, that my particular contemporaries, John Johnson and Pete Alfano, who are my age, and we started around the same time together on the high school sports staff, I'm pretty sure they covered it. Hmm. I'm telling you, I was... It's, that's the biggest disappointment of my journalism career, that Stan Isaacs, the sports editor, who I loved. It's not your night, kid. Didn't, yeah, it was not my night. From Jeff Barger in Hillsborough, North Carolina, it is incredibly prescient of you to do the books read now. In addition to Mother's Day being this month, it is also Volcano Awareness Month. Oh, of course. Celebrate mom and find the best way to get out of town when the rumbling starts. <laughs> From Gary Pitts in Knoxville, Tennessee, I've been a whitewater rafting guide on rivers all throughout the United States for the past 10 years. Without fail, at least one person on my boat on every trip during this decade has asked me how deep the river is. I generally answer by saying it is about chest high on a duck. As they sponsor that smart-ass response, I go on to explain that a river's depth changes drastically through its course, and the more accurate measure for water volume on a river is cubic feet per second. So when a river is running at 25,000 cubic feet per second, that means each second, 25,000 cubic feet of water passes a certain point. As you can imagine, figures such as those are quite daunting when one is staring into the abyss that is a hydraulic hole in the middle of a Class 5 rapid. So to lighten the mood, I often point out that cubic foot is about the size of an adult chicken. And I invite my guests to imagine 25,000 chickens all running past one point in the river in a single second, <laughs> which may or may not be more terrifying than the rapid itself. <laughs> P.S. If you, Michael, or Nigel would ever like to get out and see some white water, I'd gladly be your guide. And don't worry about falling out. No one has ever fallen out of my boat. Uh, violent ejections, however, are a different story. <laughs> From Richard Baker in Truckee, California, and I know where Truckee is. I've been there. So impressive on PTI, Tuesday asked Wilbon, with all his NBA connections, to try and get the Warriors-Laker game to start earlier, and voila, Thursday's game is an hour earlier, just like that Wilbon works his magic. <laughs> From Jacob Yarrow in Petaluma, California, I go back to the WTEM days of the 90s and have had a few David Aldridge moments over the years. Crazy cousin Peter and the burglary. Um, Peter Yarrow is his cousin. Tom Bjornson used to be my champagne guy too, but yesterday was the first one that was also a DA moment for the woman to whom I'm related by marriage. 
Mike Steinel was one of our professors when we were at grad school studying music at the University of North Texas. It's not an exaggeration to say he's among the most influential jazz educators of the last many decades, as his books have been used by countless students all over the world. He taught thousands of students at North Texas, including the two of us. Obviously, he's quite the musician. All we always remember is jazz is about the notes you don't play and tell John Moransky to eat it. And Jacob Yarrow is the director of the Green Music Center at Sonoma State University, so he knows of which he speaks. From Kenny Ray, our old friend in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. We love Kenny. May 18th, Paul Simon releases his new album, The Seven Psalms, an acoustic examination of the roots of folk music, specifically King David's Psalms. The attached YouTube link, Ask Michael, will take you to a five-minute video of the creation of the album, which Paul Simon calls an argument he is having with himself about belief or not. How many pop singers are having that conversation today? The video is also an inside look at what genius looks like. Can't wait. Uh, From Joe Chamberlain, living in Dubai. Listening to you mispronounce the names in in Ohio from Thursday's show, I wanted to give you a few of our quirky ways of pronouncing things in the UK. First off is Belvoir, a famous farm and old estate, and it is pronounced Beaver. Ah. Featherstone Hall is an English family. It's Fanshawe. The military rank lieutenant is Lieutenant. Oh, yes. Cholmondeley is Chumley. And my personal favorite, as it is the middle name of the woman related to me by marriage, Bochamp is Beecham. Love the show so much. Thank you for the laughs. From Paul in St. Paul, Bob, rather, in St. Paul, Minnesota. Have you figured out, Tony, what a chatbot is yet? To help you understand, I had one write a haiku about you. I think it's pretty good. Bald head, glasses on, sometimes brash, but always real, a true media maven. This is what scares me about, <laughs> yes. about AI. Yes. And then apparently Carl Wallace sent this in about uh, Binghamton finished third in the annual Golden Snowball Contest. It competes with Buffalo, Syracuse, Albany, and Rochester to see who gets the most snowfall over the winter. That's Buffalo tradition. got hammered a couple of times this year and easily won with over 133 <laughs> inches of snow. No, Syracuse you. second, 65, even though that's barely half of their yearly average. Binghamton third with 61. They last won the contest in 2017, and before that, not since 1983. It's a full newspaper article he encloses from the Syracuse Post-Standard. Um, Carl and us, we go the Golden Snowball Contest. One more. Mike Seminar from Briar Horses. The first email I wrote to you past muster and was read on the air. I offer you, offered to send you a model of secretariat made by Briar Horses. Enclosed is a limited edition golden secretariat to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Big Red winning the Triple Crown. You have this in your home? I have this, yes. Okay. I, I had it. one of my many David Aldridge moments during the September 16, 2022 show when you, Nigel, and Michael all agreed that Briar Horses did not belong in the National Toy Hall of Fame. Nigel, Briar Horses. Tony, I don't know what that is. Nigel, yeah, not familiar. They're sort of, um, Tony, do you know what Briar Horses mean? I asked this of Michael. Michael, the plastic molded horses. Tony, yeah, I don't think they should be in. Briar's is ice cream. Nigel, yeah, love the ice cream, not the horses. Michael, the ice cream's okay. Tony, I don't like the ice cream. (laughs) Despite a very passionate fan base, we were denied entry into 2022 class. I know it was you, Tony. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. If you're out on your bike tonight and you want to watch The Godfather, do wear white. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me because I sure as heck fire remember you. Bing. I want Dylan Brooks to join my family. I need him to stand up to my mom. When she bakes him a pie, he can throw it on the floor. Say, lady, I'll respect you when you bake 39 more. I want Dylan Brooks to join my household. I need him to stand up to my dad. 
Say I've seen your bank account and that piddling amount. Well, to me, it just looks kind of sad. Dylan Brooks, I want you to come with me to my job. You can tell my boss and co-workers you're simply not impressed. You can tell off my children, you can cuss out my wife. Dylan Brooks, I could use you in my life. Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks, won't you come and hang out with me and tell my closest friends just what you think of them. Your season is done, your vacation has begun, you've got time in your life to ruin mine. You got time in your life to ruin mine. Day move around. 